Welcome to the Social Housing Podcast from Voicecape, the only podcast dedicated to helping social landlords build sustainable tenancies. During this series of podcasts, we'll be speaking to leaders from the social housing sector and beyond, hopefully challenging the status quo a little bit, and also stimulating discussion around how technology can be better utilised to help build sustainable tenancies. I'm your host, John Doyle, the Chief Exec and Founder of VoiceGate. How is Sovereign going to go about reconstructing the relationship with community organisations and customers in a way that can change things for the better? I think in terms of sort of redefining the relationship, I think one of the things we were very clear on was we, we spoke with over 50 organisations across our geography that, that we work with and, and over 100 residents took part in a range of listening events. And I think we were clear that we needed to listen and we needed to really understand what our partners needed and wanted, but also how we could add value. And some of that adding value might be not taking part at all, or it might be investing in a different way. So I think there's, I think that again, this this has been quite a quite a top-down approach around how do how do local doctors, local surgeries, the NHS, in essence, kind of embed that kind of community view, and how do we actually get you know somebody to join a gym instead of taking medicine for for kind of health-related issues? I think that the idea of this health creation thing is. How do we actually embed that into having a local community gym or having something that is kind of free to access rather than something that that isn't? Today's guest on the Social Housing Podcast is Matthew Buckham, the Communities Director at Sovereign Housing Association. He has extensive experience across 15 years in the sector, holding down roles with names like Community Assets Manager, Senior Community Investment Manager and Head of Locality. There's a strong theme in there, and I can't wait to speak to Matthew to find out what that's all about. Welcome to the Socialization Podcast, Matt. I wonder if you could tell me some of the things you've been responsible for in the past 15 years of your career in socialising and why you think that's an important aspect of the business. Hi, John. Um, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so so the past 15 years have been um, varied and, and challenging, predominantly in community-based regeneration, um, community engagement, and I've worked across community asset development. So I spent nearly six years um, developing community centres, third sector organisations to kind of take them on. And that led to one of the sort of first national community asset transfer programmes for a housing association. Um, and then I've moved on to setting up community investment teams as a whole. So covering kind of employment, money and digital, um, community engagement. And then latterly, I've worked as a, a head of locality covering all things housing. So really taking a coaching approach to housing management, covering general needs, supported housing, capacity building, but also some of the sectors, first homelessness projects around housing first as well. And then my latest role with Sovereign is around community investment. Again, really looking into business strategy for Sovereign, reshaping the organization, but also business development, social investment, looking a lot at how 
our investment into the housing association through bonds and loans through ESG um, development really impacts on 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 the front line. So, yeah, it's been quite a quite a journey over the 15 years, and 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 I think actually, you know, really really important point is about how we how we really engage our customers, how we put them at the heart of our organisations, and the fact that housing associational associations are social purpose organisations, and everywhere I've been, my role has, has, has had that at the heart of it. And, you know, my endeavor is to ensure that that, that continues for the long term. Okay, that's, that's brilliant. That's a very varied sort of portfolio. I'm interested to know if you, what you've seen as the key changes across that period of time. Was it better back then? Is it better now? Is it pretty much the same? What are your thoughts? I think the... The, the, the customer and our, and our residents at the heart of the organizations that I've worked for hasn't changed. I think how we, how we work with our customers has changed. And I think housing associations, when I first started in the sector were quite paternalistic. They were very handholding, almost over the top, I think with customers in, in, in a way. And I think that has changed. I think there's been a view Particularly, I've, I've over the 15 years had to bid for a lot of funding to support communities, and a lot of those funders, you know, had criteria about how bad a place was, how deprived a place was, you know, what what that community didn't have or what those customers couldn't do. Right. And actually, I think over the last 15 years, there's been a change in ethos from a range of organisations, but actually, most importantly, our communities themselves have said, look, you know. We, we have got assets, we are assets and, and, and we've got skills and talents that we can we can utilize. So I think both housing associations, the, the, the third sector, but also a lot of our funders now are taking much more of an asset based approach. And we're actually working with and alongside our customers, I think in a, in a different and better way than we ever have done before. Some of that is government pressure but I think those that are at the forefront of, of kind of community engagement are really have, have been doing that anyway. I think we're just getting better at it. But I do think that there's that there's a there's a change in the air at the moment across across a range of areas. And then I think there's something about the office environment, the ability to trust our colleagues and enable colleagues to work much more flexibly around outcomes. Um, for our customers rather than time-bound kind of outputs and really focusing on a kind of nine to five a work-based pattern so I think I think that dynamic has changed and has been accelerated uh, tenfold by by COVID as well. Okay it's quite an interesting point you make there Matt there's it's a very short step from paternalistic to patronizing isn't it? It is. Yeah okay well let's move on now to your time at Sovereign and for those who don't know, I wondered if you could just give a little bit of background, typical background on the organisation. Sure. So um, Sovereign is a large housing association in the south of England. So we own and manage over 60,000 homes from Oxfordshire right down to Devon and Cornwall. 
and across on the Isle of Wight. So within that, we have a range of general needs homes, shared ownership and leasehold, but we also have a range of care and support services and key worker accommodation um, as well for kind of NHS and, and students. So in terms of size, you know, the organization's got 2000 colleagues. We develop around 1800 uh, homes a year and the organization is the size to, uh, equivalent to a FTSE 250 company. Wow. I wondered if you could tell me specifically now a little bit more about your customer impact strategy. I know you've been busy working on it for a while and you and I have obviously spoken previously. I think that could be of real interest to a lot of people. So if you could just flesh that out for us. Yeah, so we, we've been working over the past 12 months to really look at how our internal strategies at Sovereign will enable us to deliver our, our corporate plan and, and really re, reorganizing how we work, what our focus is. And, and that has, has, has basically meant that we've devised two overarching strategies. So we've got a customer impact strategy and we've got a sustainability strategy that I hate the term kind of golden thread, but it, it's it's really kind of pivotal that we take both of those and, and run them through everything that we do. Um, and then underneath that, we've got four executional strategies. And in, in terms of those, it's really about, obviously uh, with myself, it's about thriving communities that's right. one pillar we've got engaging places which is all about how do we redefine our landscaping how do we really value place and how do we connect our places to to local economies so covid's again amplified that people appreciate their outdoor spaces more than they ever have done or their communal gardens or their own their own private space as well and then the, the third one is around safe and quality homes. So at Sovereign, we're designing a 30-year home and place standard, which in essence is going to be a set of standards for our new build homes, but also our existing homes and how we bring them up to the quality that, that, that we see. And alongside that sits a strategic asset management plan and a, and a development strategy. And then all of that, needs great services and that and that's the fourth pillar and that and that's you know really about getting the basics right but also move into to a much more embedded kind of multi-channel approach and how we can actually utilize technology utilize things like chatbots and 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 effectively deal with some of our customer queries that can be done at a, at a level that maybe don't need our contact center or or face-to-face contact but then really focusing on where we need that contact and and how we can actually work with customers in a in a better way so we've done a lot of work with 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 pa consulting on that but we've also embedded that through our co-creation with our resident board partnership and our customers have been at the heart of helping us do that as well Um, so so those will be launching over over the next um few months Um, brilliant in terms of, you know, the, your core subject, as you said, that of the, the thriving communities, I'm wondering how, how is Sovereign going to go about reconstructing the relationship with community organisations and customers in a way that can change things for the better? Because presumably that's what the plan is. 
Yeah, yeah. So the thriving communities strategy was signed off by our board, and we're we're we're, we're pretty much coming to the the end of the year one of that of that plan, and that that kind of it sits across three themes: so community action, money, and digital, and employment and training. And I think in terms of sort of redefining the relationship, I think one of the things we were very clear on was we we spoke with over 50 organizations across our geography that that we work with and and over 100 residents took part in a range of listening events and i think we were clear that we needed to listen and we needed to really understand what our partners needed and wanted but also how we could add value and some of that adding value might be not taking part at all or it might be investing in a different way so that led to a number of different initiatives, things like crowdfunding, which we'd not um, done before. And, and just as an example, in terms of the impact, we've, we've invested nearly 200,000 pounds in crowdfunding community-based projects that are led by the community in their community and then supported by their community. And that's derived over a million pounds worth of match funding. So huge amount of investment from local local people but also local businesses as well so so you matt, know matt sorry to put in that no worries yeah. could you just explain that to me that, that crowdfunding are you saying that sovereign how does sovereign get involved presumably do you put money into it or do yeah you just so we it a, a, a bit of both so we we, we put money we we use crowdfunder who are our, who are our partner and we use good exchange as well and, and in essence, what we do is we, we put money aside for theme-based projects. So it might be environmental at the time COVID hit. So we were looking at a lot of digital inclusion or isolation projects. And we would get local organizations and charities that would then bid for that money. What they then needed to do was kind of match that money. Right. And, and we were kind of blown away basically by the amount of local support local advocacy but also a lot of the local private businesses that were wanting to help and assist during during the pandemic and that's just you know it, it's really boomed in terms of our wider impact so we've had nearly 180 projects supported right across our geography wow. and like i say that you know the total investment there's nearly one and a half million pound directly into those organizations that need it and i think that goes back to you know, a, a, a point around longer term partnerships that we need to to develop. And we're, we're aware that we need, you know, we're aware that some of our customers might be going through crisis and we need to, to look at how we can support that. But we also want to build the capacity of that third sector in our neighborhoods to thrive so that in essence, we probably won't be needed or or we can we can add a platform but but for those to move forward rather than a, a helping hand that's always there i suppose um, so it, it sounds it, yeah it sounds to an extent then like you you're facilitating the, the the specialists you're giving them the opportunity to do the things they do well yeah rather than trying to be a, a jack of all trades you're just facilitating those guys to come in does that sound it, about right exactly and i think what, what, what we're wanting to move that on to into year two is how do we then, how do we bring different sectors together to do that, but also how do we enable 
those on the ground really to thrive, but thrive over a longer term so that we're not doing year to year kind of programs. We're, we're going to look at a lot, a lot longer term commitment um, with those organizations that will enable them to bed even, even further. Okay. It, it resonates with something that we do at VoiceGate. We've got a very small involvement with a local community charity called Forever Manchester. And something you said when we spoke earlier, which resonated with me, is this idea of, because I just think of the ABCD, asset-based community development. And it seems like there is an appetite out there from those organisations to step step forward. De- definitely. And, and I think there's, I think there is a, there's a groundswell of movement as well with the likes of people like Cormac Russell, who's a, who's a specialist in, in, in asset-based community development with um, nurture development. But also I think there's a, there's a, there's a swell of opinion within, you know, quite structured organizations. So you, you may have heard uh, Lord Crisp, the ex CEO of the NHS talking about um, health creation yeah. and actually you know, he was he was advocating that the likes of housing associations, you know, the 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 the, the private sector, local economies, but also education, really tie up because actually, you know, that 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 health creation starts with the home, that starts with the local community, you know, and 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 interestingly, one of Cormac's lines is, you know, it takes a village to to raise a child, and actually. How, how do we enable our quite strategic, quite systems-based organizations to start and think a bit differently? So how do we look at the fact that, you know, if you look at the COVID pandemic, the impact has, has those that earn the least, um, the lowest two quartiles of earners have spent 30 to 36% more during the pandemic. And then you've got actually those that have died, unfortunately, during this pandemic, highest proportion from, in essence, most deprived or economically disadvantaged areas. So I think there's something about how do we, as a housing association, play a role in pulling some of them partners together now and actually saying, how do we sit down? How do we look at this a bit differently and challenging our thinking? And I think that's one of the things that we we as organizations need to constantly do is challenge that thought process. How can we do things better, differently? Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? On, on the very first socializing podcast we did, we were fortunate to have Andy Burnham, sort of the Metro mayor from Manchester. And he made the point that back in the day, housing and health were the same ministry. You know, when it was first kicked off yeah. <laughs> 30, 40 years ago, and obviously now they've moved apart, but it seems like it needs to come full circle because, as you said, the bedrock of health is good housing. Yeah, and I think some of the earliest council housing estates were designed with health in mind. And actually, you know, you look at, you know, our, our new home home and place standard is all about how do we connect? How do we ensure that there, there is adequate space, adequate room, but also adequate links to employment and training as well. And I think, you know, Andy makes a good a good point there that, you know, that the health system has grown so much. Actually, what we need to do is think about those health health creation organizations and how do we how do we tie them up to to do more? Okay. Something we discussed previously as well was this idea of social prescribing. 
and how that fits into your sort of engaging places strategy? Yeah, I think there's, I think that again, this, this has been quite a, quite a top down approach around how do, how do local doctors, local surgeries, the NHS in essence kind of embed that kind of community view and how do we actually get you know somebody to join a gym instead of taking medicine for for kind of health related issues I think that the idea of this health creation thing is how do we actually embed that into having a local community gym or having something that is kind of free to access rather than something that that isn't and I think our approach around place and our kind of review of how we will do things like even even landscaping in the land we own, actually we can start and do that in different ways, and we can start offering that up to local organisations that 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 could do much more with it than we would do just naturally maintaining it as well. Okay, there's a lot of stuff going on there at Sovereign, and it's quite interesting for me because I think many larger social landlords sometimes can be perceived almost as developers with a little bit of social on the side. But it sounds to me that Sovereign have got, you know, the social intent front and central in everything they do. Now, from your perspective, do you think that's innovative and unique for an organisation of that scale? I think where, where Sovereign is, is innovative is our executive team very clear on the social purpose but they they pull that together in a way through things like our, our new approach to ESG you know that is that is enabling us to or will do enable us to to borrow money at a lower rate that will enable us to build more homes but actually those homes are better quality and we're investing more in our in, in our communities so I think I think there are some other good housing associations out there but I think there there are a number that may may well have kind of lost their way and gone too commercial, too development led, and actually I think Sovereign's got the blend of all of that, and I think it's the first organisation that has really, really done that. Our executive director of development talks about place more than he talks about development, and that's right. really refreshing. You know, our executive director of property and asset used to be our customer experience director and as customer you know through and through and I think I think just that gel of of our executive team is 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 really special okay it's quite interesting what you were saying about your ESG credentials because I suppose you know other directives coming down from the regulators about value for money in everything you do um, it's making that point that having that social purpose is at the centre of your existence, but actually there are solid business reasons for that. And I wonder if you could just expand on what are those solid business reasons? I think the the, the, the solid business reasons in terms of ESG, are a, the, the, there's, a num- there's a number of things there. One is being open and transparent around, obviously the G part around governance, you know, being really clear around our reporting and 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 the process there. Again, I go back to kind of co-creation, but we've got, you know, we've got a resident on our board, on our main board, and we've got real clear structures of of engagement through our resident board partnership and our and our community groups. That's all well and good, but actually, 
you know, in terms of the uh, sustainability strategy and the environmental section and our social section, pulling all of that together means we can borrow at lower rates, you know, cut into the, the chase around the finances that enables us to do more. That then going through a procurement system where we have a clear social value framework, for example, then leads us to us to investing even more in our communities. So the fact that we've, you know, we've done a lot of work with social impact organizations, the likes of Echelon, where we've we've redesigned our procurement almost from scratch, is basically embedding that investment back into our communities and it's directly tying our community organizations back into our into our frameworks as well so i think i think the you know the the crux of the finances are really clear and 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 tracy our our executive director of of finances has has spoken about that as well around how how pivotal esg will be and is so we're really keen that 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 we are kind of as open and transparent about that as uh, as we can be. Brilliant. Thanks, Matthew. That sounds to me like a virtuous circle and what's needed. So I, I'd just like to thank you for giving us some fascinating insights into a side of the business that perhaps not a lot of people are au fait with. I certainly wasn't, so I really appreciate that. But for me, it's proof, if more proof were needed, that organisations can do well by doing good at the same time. So. I'd really like to thank you for your time, Matthew. Cheers. Thanks, John. If you are new to the Social Housing Podcast, please subscribe if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or leave a follow if you use Spotify. Also, please remember to leave us any feedback, good, bad or ugly. It can only help serve improve us. Finally, I'd like to thank you all for your time and attention. I appreciate that everybody's busy. But I do hope you learned something from the experience. I certainly did. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time on the Social Housing Podcast. Goodbye.